I'm Daniel. My pronouns are he, him, and his. I'm Robert. My pronouns are he and him. And this, this is, is Grizzly Kiki. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as a meet and greet with James Charles. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95, and they offer great customer service. I should know. And they do sunglasses, too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> Choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way you can try on all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. We don't need people seeing things blurry. And Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm now considering a divorce. Hey! To get started, head over to WarbyPorkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Wait, wait, wait. Warby Porker? That's a very different website. I was projecting. Very different. I mean, I project in all directions. Give them them that link one more time. So sorry. To get started, head over to WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Again, that's WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Don't Google Warby Porker. You'll regret it. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Injured. 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 Oof. Injured. Would you like to tell us about your injury? <laughs> I would, actually. Um... <laughs> So I learned that thumbtacks hurt this weekend. Um, I'm cutting fabric for my stepmother's uh, wedding gown, and um, I have these little—not um, little really—but they're they're these pattern weights from mm-hmm. the '80s that it's like a washer with like a plastic cover that has holes in it, and through each hole comes like a little thumbtack, and so that holds the pattern in place on the fabric, so you don't have to use pins and stuff. And so I was cutting fabric on the floor, which I don't normally do. And in between pattern pieces, I cleared out all the way all the pattern weights, but I missed one. And when I went to lay out more fabric to kneel on the floor, my knee, like all of my weight, went on one of the small ones, and all three thumbtacks went into my knee. Oh, I didn't know it was all three. I thought it was just one. No. Well, two of them went through, like, punctured, and one, because I, I realized it really quickly. Mm. Um, and... I, I bled a tiny bit, but it didn't really, be, because I got up so quickly, I didn't feel a ton of pain, and then I just kept on going. You know, nice. like, I just, like, you know, like, if I just, like, bang my knee into, like, the table or something. Oof. Six hours later, in the middle of the night, <laughs> oh. I wake up with my, my knee looking like a grapefruit, um, oh. and it hurt so bad. And, I mean, it's a little bitter now. It's been about 24 hours. Um and I got a knee brace, and Robert got me this lovely, um, like, it's funny, it looks like a dog, like a dog chew toy thing, the, like, cold wrap. <laughs> um, but yeah, just make sure you clear the floor. It's a, it's in a hot and cold compression thing. Yeah. Um, that has, like, tea leaves in it. 
Yeah, but there's nothing like operating on two hours of sleep. Wee. Um, well, the sooner we're done with this, the sooner you can go to sleep. I mean, I was really afraid that <laughs> I was going to have to like get surgery and all of this because like it didn't hurt. And then six hours later, I couldn't like step without it right. hurting. And now it's like a little better. Well, that's good. Um, but yeah, just clean up after yourself. That's yeah. the, that's the less just especially like with sharp stuff. Like, well, you had been talking about there are these spaces that you can rent out when you need to do you know whatever kind mm-hmm. of creative project. You can bring all of your supplies mm-hmm. to the space and then do the project, and you basically you pay by the hour or something. Yeah, and then you have like a huge cutting table, exactly. or I just like I cut fabric at odd hours, and you know so. But it might have. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know if you still want to do this, but it might be helpful to rent out a space like that and then just go cut all of your fabric and then come home. Yeah, maybe think I have to look it. into it because I personally I think like you're very you're really beating yourself up about the fact that you didn't clear out all of the pattern weights. And what I keep telling you is that you were doing it. You were cutting these pattern pieces in a way that was disorienting for you. Yeah. And I've never cut fabric that like I've never cut fabric on the floor on my cutting mats. I just but because it was stretch lace and I needed it to be completely flat and not pull like I was, you know, trying something new. But it was it was not fun. Yeah, so. I, I really think that it would be a good it would, it would be a good investment to um, to go to one of those spaces yeah. and cut all of your fabric. Yeah, I'll definitely have, have to look into that. But yeah. other than that, I'm peachy keen. I'm hurting a little too because I decided. So I found the out toboggan. my toboggan. No, um, it's called Tabata. Um, so uh, I have been doing weight training at the gym. Um, insert Daniel making a joke about being swole. Ha ha ha. Um, so. <laughs> Me? <laughs> no. Um, but basically, since I started weight training, I don't like going. So on the days that I'm not doing weight training, I'm supposed to be going to the gym and doing cardio. And I hate cardio. I know it's like I never understood why people hate cardio. And now I get it. Like it, it feels like you're chained to a machine for you know a duration of time. and I hate it. So the other day I was... I was actually looking stuff up because I'm sort of I'm I'm not 100 percent sure that I, I'm using the right form when I do all this other stuff. So I'm looking that up and I found out about this thing called Tabata, which is a, an extreme. I think it's Brazilian style of high interval training. So I have decided I want to try doing Tabata on the days when I'm not doing weight training. And so the way it works is uh, you basically do a really intense uh, set, like two really intense sets of, uh, of exercises for four minutes. And you break it up into uh, 20 second intervals of exercise and 10 second intervals of rest. So uh, it, it but it's a lot of it's things like burpees that I'm not yet. Hmm. I don't I don't have the dexterity to to do burpees yet. I'm not there yet. Um, so. I'm doing like a, a modified burpee, essentially, um, which the for if you don't know what a burpee is, it's the thing where you like you crouch down on the ground and then you go into a plank position. Uh, you do a push up and then you um, you jump back so that your feet are like behind your hands and then you jump up into the air. It's a lot. She's a lot. Um, so I tried Tabata today. Burpee sounds fun. That doesn't sound like fun. No, 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 no. It's not fun at all. Um, so I tried it today. I even, there's an app 
Um, I should probably share that name. But there's an app that um, that like counts for you and and series like, okay, start exercising, stop, rest, whatever. It's oh, the app is called Tabata. Um, but it's basically a timer and you just you start it and it's and it talks to you as you're exercising. So That's you really know interesting. It's really helpful. Because I feel like I mean I I don't exercise. Right. I make no bones about it. But I feel like when you're doing these like programs, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like a, a intervals or cycles or whatever, I feel like to me, who hasn't done them? It seems it seems kind of pretty insurmountable because you have to like remember all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you have kind of basically like a trainer on your phone being like, "Do this now," I feel like that would be really helpful for people who, you know, for 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 whom like creating a workout plan is a little daunting. Right. Um, I, need I feel like that might make it easier. I need something like that too because the 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 program I'm following is a PDF that's on my phone. So when I um. When I get to a point where I can move up, uh, like move up to like 10 more pounds or whatever when I'm, uh, when I'm doing bench presses or whatever, I don't have a way to mark that in the PDF. Mm. So I need to find an app. I basically need to find an app and import this entire program mm-hmm. into that you app. Could create one. I could create one, although I'm not going to do that. I'm, I would sooner, I would sooner create a, f- like a form or something. Oh my God, what if you record yourself giving instructions? Yeah, I don't want to do that either. Because at this point, I don't. I've been doing it so much that I remember the workout. Oh, so I don't have to look at it. The problem is I don't remember what weight I was doing the last time. Oh, because it's all machine based at this point. You need a weight. You need a workout journal, right? Yeah. Um, but what I was saying about Tabata, so I tried it today. I made it through the first two minutes, which would have been the first four exercises, and I was wheezing. It was that intense. Yikes. So I took a very long – you're supposed to do it, like I said earlier, you're supposed to do it in four-minute intervals, and mm-hmm. then you're supposed to take a one- to two-minute rest between – because you're supposed to uh, you're supposed to do enough of them that it lasts about 20 or 30 minutes. Uh, I – I did two minutes and then took a very long break and then came back and did another two minutes because I was convinced I'm going to do the full four, even if I have to break them up. So I was just wondering if any of the other listeners had heard of this because I I had never heard of Tabata. And just by accident, I found an article about it on self.com. And that's where this came from. Self.com. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. I whenever I um, because I have to do a lot of modified stuff because the gym in our building doesn't have a lot of the like the regular machines that you'd find at like planet fitness. So, um, I have to do a modified deadlift and all this. So I go to self.com to be like, how do I do a modified mm-hmm. deadlift with the cable machine that we have yeah. in the building? So there's that. That's really cool. Um, do you want to talk about what we did this weekend? Yes, I do. Are you excited? Um, talk about it. <laughs> so like we went to it in Houston's mansion over the weekend. Um, with Miss Jade, who had a gig at a wedding, um, she was imperson- impersonating. Whitney? She was hired, hired to, to impersonate, impersonate Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston at a wedding. At a, wedding um, at a at, lesbian wedding. At a lesbian, at a power lesbian wedding, none, no less. Um, at Whitney Houston's uh, former New Jersey estate, Miss Jade looked stunning. She looked gorgeous. Um, check out her Instagram and all that if you want to see what she looked like it was amazing um the bride who hired her oh, oh my, my god goodness. stud i've learned a new word Ning. stud <gasps> she was stunning oh i mean they god. were both gorgeous and very nice um but we only really got to talk to 
the the bride who hired exactly. Jane, not um, her wife. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it was it was such an interesting experience beyond like you know helping Jade get ready and I mean well helping her with her hair and stuff. Right. Um, it was uh, you know like we were Jade's muscle. <laughs> I really I'm like no Jade will not do this and no Jade will not do that. You know what um, was you know what was disappointing. <laughs> what was disappointing for me is that I was prepared to pick Jade up and say. From now on, you must refer to me as Frank. And I was going to wear like sunglasses everywhere I went and You're pretend like carry I was, her. Pretend like I was talking into a um, a thing on my wrist, uh, like obvious callbacks you, to you the bodyguard. Your sunglasses. I did bring my sunglasses, and so I made a joke about it to one of the guests at the wedding who was talking to Jade and went right over her head. Yeah, completely. I mean, it went over the guest's head and Jade's because mm-hmm. she just didn't. She was like, well, "Did you just watch the bodyguard?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, but it's a joke. Like it's a thing." I and for anyway. once, I knew yeah. what you were talking about. So that was disappointing. <laughs> um. But yeah, Jade, I mean, you couldn't tell me that she wasn't Whitney. She looked great. Yeah. She looked fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, so much energy. People loved her. Like Oh, they were know, excited. She had I a remember line. Yeah. Like Do you remember when we were walking with her from the guest wait, the pool house? <laughs> to, which part? When we were walking with her from the pool house to, or from the house to the pool house, mm-hmm. there was a woman smoking a cigarette by the pool. The- oh, yeah. And she was like, how much time do I have? Yeah. She's like, am like- I going to miss something? How much time do I have? Do you have enough time to have a cigarette? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, go ahead and relax. Yeah. Also, you could have your, I mean, were they not allowed to smoke? The, the whole wedding was outside. Yeah, so but I feel like people were just lounging by, by, by Whitney Houston's monogrammed pool. I mean, fancy. Her initials were still in it. Her initials were in the pool. Like, gorgeous. Also, the owner, uh, the current owner of the house gave us a tour. Oh, my God. And he is doing an amazing job of keeping her legacy alive in the house. Mm -hmm. Just like a very respectful and uh, like... I, I don't know. I, I felt well, I an think, energy. Basically, I, like, and the thing is, all this stuff is public, actually. Yeah. If you So we're not spilling any, you know, confidential tea. But no. the owner of the house, who we didn't know was the owner of the house <laughs> for right. a while, we thought he right. was one of the wedding planners, was really sweet, took the three of us on a tour of ev- everything that was cordoned off we got to see. We got yeah. to see Whitney's dining room we got to see you know her her sitting area living room and he jade played havana gila on her piano she did. which was to um, me that is the first thing i'm going every time i have mm-hmm. to contact jade for anything i'm gonna be like remember that time you yeah. played havana gila on whitney's piano uh, remember we that? got to <laughs> see whitney's bedroom and her recording studio where she recorded the my love is your love album mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Her like custom like entertainment room or whatever, and he basically he he purchased the home in 2014 because he'd had his eyes on it for a while, and the family was you know loath to give it up because they didn't want it to be turned into you know like a Whitney Houston Graceland, which is what a lot of the listings were kind of marketing it as. Yeah. And he promised that he wouldn't. And right. it's never been made public. It's, you know, hasn't had people, you know, like news outlets and stuff like that, like recording it. And um, 
he you know the family even let him purchase a, a lot of the um property that they removed from the home before it was sold yeah. so it's it's nice because it really is um a a tribute to her legacy yeah but a very private one yeah um because I, you know it's also an amazing piece of architecture i oh absolutely well. it's all it's all like circles and like and then, and she had it custom built in 1987. Yeah. Um. With uh the the I want to dance with somebody money apparently. Yeah. So it was it was really amazing. Just like super emotional because you know I mean I don't have to tell the listeners about Whitney's legacy like that. I feel like if mm-hmm. you don't if you don't know who Whitney Houston is like what's going on, um. But uh there there was just especially when we were getting the tour, there was just this sense that like, we are, we are seeing something that is, I don't know. It just like, it's something that like the public doesn't have access it's to, very but private. also, yeah, super private. I mean, also because the, the owner is, keeps it looking like it's supposed to be private. Right. Did you know it's so, right. it just, I was so grateful to the owner that he gave us a tour and grateful to Miss Jade for mm-hmm. asking us to take her and, and all that. Because it really was, it was a, a it was a big moment to me. It, it meant so much mm-hmm. to be able to experience that. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I also felt a very palpable um, sadness in yeah. like a sad energy because it's just. It, anyway, again, we don't need to recount what happened to her, but it just right. like this was the house that you know that famous story where she like packed up and left. Yeah. This was the house. Like she just left and all of its contents. And went to L.A. Yeah. You know, so this essentially being the first home that she bought and well and, and designed, mm-hmm. you know, like to leave that all behind and, and just the history of, of what she was going through. It just like, I don't know. I, I felt very heavy at times. Yeah. Kind of equal parts heavy and celebratory. It was just. Yeah. You know, it, it felt like we weren't supposed to be there. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it, and mm-hmm. that's why I kept. Uh, whenever we would enter a room while we were being given this, this tour, Jade was like, "I mean, Jade is dressed like Whitney Houston." We enter this room, and she sees, you know, a a, a trophy case full of pictures of Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. vinyls, like all kinds of stuff, and and I'm like, "Is it okay if she takes a photo in front of this trophy case?" Like, I just I felt mm-hmm. very. I, I wanted to be respectful to both the owner, but also the um, the owner's uh, keeping of her legacy, basically. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's kind of nice moment. to know that her family trusts him, trusts him, and yeah. and you know, because he could easily capitalize on this, right? You know, right. Um, it's all there. And because I'm an obsessive person, of course, on the way home, I did all the digging, <laughs> and there is no public way to see inside the home or you know take a tour or rent it or anything like that so um i think he's in in many ways keeping it it's safe from like i don't know like ambulance chasers i don't know whatever the equivalent is you know right um but it was it was a very it was interesting to see how she lived yeah honestly yeah so um so do we want to go into madam x madam x (laughs) I hate you so much. The new energy drink by Madonna. I mean, we can. We're going to talk about it quickly. Yeah. I, I didn't like it. This is a Clayface album. <laughs> I will Please just, explain. Okay, Please so explain. 
I'm sitting here on my sofa of pain explaining to Robert what I think of this album, which I have to admit, I have not listened to every single song all the way through mm-hmm. because I just can't. Like, Oh, I'm going to say that. I listened to, uh, on Friday, I posted on Instagram that I was going to the gym and I was going to listen to the album start to finish in my headphones. Mm-hmm. And there were definitely tracks that, it was mostly like some of the songs that came out before the album was released. There were tracks that I skipped completely mm-hmm. because I just don't care for them. It just feels like she's trying on, I don't know, how many tracks are there? Almost 20 or something? 15 yeah. on the deluxe. She's taking on so many different personalities in this that it reminded me of uh, that character from Batman who's... Um, from named... Spider-Man? No, 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 from Batman. Oh, it's from Batman. Yeah, Sandman. Sorry. Sandman is Spider-Man. I was... You were mixing two people. Yeah. Got it. It's Clayface, who is this character who could shapeshift. I mean, there were there were several Clayfaces. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember in the cartoon where, like, if he was around too many people or, I don't know, some contraption, right? Mm-hmm. That he would basically just start morphing into everybody he had morphed into and then, you know, no more Clayface. Hmm. And, and that's what this album feels like. It's just... It's kind of everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And there's maybe like a handful of songs that are really strong and powerful. I mean, we talked about Dark Ballet on the last episode and it, it's wonderful. Um, it's a really God, good song. Yeah, God Control is great. And I saw today that that's going to be the next uh, video from the album to Ooh, come fun. out. Um, I, you know, we're still waiting on I Rise, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting. Unless she's going to release it closer to... Um, to Pride? To Pride Island or whatever because she's don't, performing on it. Uh, is, so I Rise is rumored to be the, the that's the, the music video that Monet was in. Exactly, right? yeah. Okay. So what is interesting, so I didn't like I Rise when it first came out, but Me listening neither. to it, listening to it in order uh, on the album, I like it. I hope that Madonna has given Emma, Emma Gonzalez some money because basically her whole speech is like the centerpiece of that mm-hmm. song. Um, so uh, she deserves to have her college paid for because, you know, it's that's her voice on Madonna's mm-hmm. album. Um, but um, I was surprised at how much I liked the song when I was listening to the album all the way through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, my top three favorite songs are uh, God Control, Medellin, and uh, Dark Ballet. Mm. Everything else can be can go yeah extreme extreme occident is not a bad song but it is a bonus track and it shows Mm -hmm. fuera yeah that's what i say i'm i'm glad because i have not uh since seeing the reinvention tour i have not missed a madonna concert Mm -hmm. and i really don't think we'll be going to this one well and i read i read one or two reviews about it today i don't often read reviews of of stuff i don't like i like to make up my own mind but because I had, I read, I think, two reviews about the album, and they're all just like, it's so confusing. Like, it, it more than anything, it's just, like, half-baked and just really scattered. I want to know what reviews you're reading, because I looked up reviews on Friday, and they were all like, oh, this is this is the return of Madonna. Which I want to talk about the idea of the comeback I, I, we, we, Madonna's never gone anywhere. No, no, no. I I'm, hate that idea. I, okay. I'm saying I want to talk, ab- I want to do a whole episode on the idea of comebacks because uh, you don't yes. ever hear about men having a comeback. It's only the women in music that have mm-hmm. these quote unquote comebacks. And there's an element of misogyny there somewhere. I just, we, I would like to unpack it. 
So it's one of the it's one of the future episodes that you'll be hearing because we're we're trying to come up with like fun ideas in advance. So you know when we go on vacation next month, we can give you content while we're away. Mm. So yeah, uh, Madam X is a is a downer. <laughs> yeah, the album is also very dark in tone. And what's interesting is all the rumors surrounding this album were that it was going to be the the revenge album. It was going to be all about her marriage to Guy Ritchie and and the uh, or not the marriage, the divorce uh with with Guy Ritchie. And you don't really you don't really get a sense of that, but I I feel like that's more misogyny. They were just, you know, being like, "Oh, she can't sing about anything but these men that she's dated." Like, no. I also feel not. like she did that already. Uh on uh whatever this last album Mundana. Yeah, Mun- <laughs> Mundana. <laughs> My God. Obviously, I'm talking about MDNA. Um, I love um, Nadia Ginsburg. Yes, <laughs> it's Rocco. Also, so good. also, and I just want to mention this briefly: the virtue signaling in Killers Who Are Partying far too much, far too much. We don't need that from you. We really don't. We get mm. it. You're a good person. Like, let's move on. Too much. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. Um, but when we come back, we're gonna talk about some fun pride stuff. Yeah. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the kiki going. And we're back to talk about some fun little pride stories that we found this week that we thought were um, uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. Two out of three. Two. Well, okay, fine. Two out of three. (laughs) Um, So the first uh, story that we found was about this Oklahoma man named Cody Barlow, who is a straight cis man right in the middle of the Bible Belt in this small town that has like less than 600 residents. Um, and so because he he was tired of kind of hearing um, a lot of the bigotry going on around him and was really just tired of the homophobia in his own town, decided to celebrate Pride Um in the best way he knew how, which was to kind of make a statement on his pickup truck. Hmm. And so he took colored duct tape and, you know, created like the rainbow flag and then uh, stenciled on, on his car. Uh, Not all country boys are bigots. Uh, happy pride month. And so the photo of his uh, truck went viral and he was interviewed by a bunch of people. And, you know, the whole point of doing this was to kind of like, I, I guess, like, raise awareness that, like, you can be accepting even in the Bible Belt. Right. Like, if you create safe spaces in as many places as possible, then, you know, like, less acts of violence are prone to be committed against queer people, you know, where they think that they that they have no safe spaces. So that's what he tried to, in his own, like, little way yeah but i think it's a pretty big statement actually i i think so too it's a lot like uh the couple a couple episodes ago we talked about uber changing the um the the path in the app to a rainbow for pride month Mm -hmm. and how 
you were sort of questioning their uh, uh, you were questioning their motives. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this is very similar in that you you see this this message on this man's truck, mm-hmm. and it gives all of the all of the people who see this a moment of reflection. Yeah, and it's very confrontational too, Absolutely. because you know one of the things that he said was that um, you know in this rural area, it's just surrounded by small towns in every direction. That he's sure that you know wherever he drives in this area this is definitely not going to be a welcome message right um but that you know displaying this will um you know just hopefully like challenge people a little bit right you know and i i like his usage of the word country boy because i feel like that in and of itself has um like a it has a um like a loaded meaning behind it you know to a lot of people yeah um i feel like it's mainly it's mainly used by people to to um to like signal someone who is uneducated exactly and that's why i think you know he's saying like i'm a country boy but i believe that equality should prevail and i think that that's that's terribly important especially in places like the bible belt which needs more action like this you right. know, because it's it's not just a symbol. Like it, I, I think that this is quite active activism. You know, like driving around everywhere in this pickup truck, which is a symbol of you know masculinity in that area. Like you just you put the rainbow flag on it and a phrase. So I I think that that's um, you know really just putting it in people's faces that yeah. they need to be more accepting. Yeah, you're of others. You're putting a, a, a an actual like a, a visual accompanied with a message, mm-hmm. and I I love that he did this. Yeah, I I think it's great. I wish more people would 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 do confrontational stuff like this mm-hmm. because this is you know this is what we talk about when uh when we talk about uh how you know uh for example uh when 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 men are talking to other men and the subject of women comes up they need to be a little bit more um responsible with the way that they talk about women because mm-hmm. that that kind of stuff is contagious yeah it's not just confined to the locker room it makes it it makes its right. way out right and this is to me that this is a big part of that in in the in that he is forcing everyone who sees his pickup truck to reflect on their feelings mm-hmm. About uh, homosexuality, about the quilt bang community, to mm-hmm. um, to bring that uh, that phrase back. We need to remember to use that phrase all the time. Quilt bang, quilt bang. Um, there was someone else who who did something similar. Yeah, in Pennsylvania. Um, so a dad. Oops, pull up my notes. <laughs> um, so a dad from Pennsylvania named Scott Dittman attended this week's Pittsburgh Pride. Uh, with the Free Mom Hugs group. Um, and for those of you who don't know what Free Mom Hugs are, it's this uh, group of women around the country who attend pride marches and other kind of queer events to simply provide, like, skin-to-skin contact with people to, like, give them a hug and, like, you know, use their their own physicality to provide that that touch that makes a lot of people feel safe. I mean, there is a lot to be said about a hug um, because I feel like it, it can communicate, it can, you know, can be solace. It can be love. It can be understanding. And 
a lot of people in the queer community don't get hugged enough. You know, they get pushed right. out very easily and get, you know, have acts of violence committed against them. Um, but a hug is a is a an easy, free way of being as compassionate as possible. Right. I think. So with that being said, this man who's curious about this decided that he was going to accompany his friend. And he's like, well, free mom hugs, but I'm sure that a lot of these queer people could really use a free dad hug. Yeah. So he made himself a free dad hugs t-shirt in the style of free mom hugs and marched with them in Pittsburgh pride. And the response was overwhelming because you know as queer people i feel like a a lot of times the the negative experiences that we have with people in our family you know depending on which side of this you know you land is with fathers you know who who want their sons to butch it up who like you know want you to be a man and masculine and all of this and then if you're not you know you're dropped like a hot potato right um, so he was, I, I, according to him, he wasn't really expecting such a huge reaction right. to him, but at the same time, like as, as happy as he was to, and, and humbled to have been received as well as he was, um, he was also, he said it made him really sad because it shouldn't be this way. Right. You know, like, like kids and, and, you know, queer kids and queer people shouldn't, have to, quilt bangers quilt bangers thank you yep. um should not have to be reduced to tears because somebody wants to give them a hug right like how could you deprive somebody of that just because you're being ignorant and closed-minded and i don't know i just like the the ease with which some parents like just get rid of these people that they created mm-hmm. is disgusting to me yeah because it's like but so you're released, like, not even, like, responsibility, but it's like, oh, yeah, they're my kid, they're my kid, and then they're different, and then they don't matter anymore, you know? Right. It, it just, it's really I mean, awful. I can't help, when I when I see, so stuff like this really touches me, because I, I immediately think of when I came out, and how my parents reacted by basically calling a therapist, and trying to figure out the best way to cure me. Against my will, basically. I never went. I never went for any therapy or anything. But they did the research, uh, and you know, my my parents were not very affectionate before I came out to them. So it wasn't a you know, it wasn't such a surprise. But I totally when I when I saw this man's post on Facebook, I I understood the power behind what he was doing because. A lot of the time, and I don't remember if we had this conversation on the podcast or if we had it in real life. I think it was both um, when we were talking about perceptions of dads in general. Um, I want to say it was when we were hanging out with Pissy and David. Uh, but Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, my perception of fathers is that they're these, you know, super ultra macho people who they will come and change your tire for you and then, you know, spit on the ground and walk away when they're done. It was just like this ultra, <laughs> almost cartoonish, mm-hmm. because that's what, that's how I, I mean, my dad is not like that at all, but that's, it, it, I could see my dad chasing that image in a mm. way where it was like he was never, he never really like measured up to that. And so that's what, that's to, to me what a dad is. I understand it's not healthy, mm-hmm. but again seeing this this man's actions it made it made me understand 
why it was important. And I'm glad that he, I mean, I wonder, and and this is probably for nothing, but I wonder if he would have still done it if he'd understood. I mean, I'm sure that he'll be doing it again next year, but I wonder if he would have been as quick to do it had he known the impact it was going to have. You know what I mean? Just just because, like, it's not an event that's centering him. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think it's important, and I hope he does it every year mm-hmm. because I think this this behavior needs to be contagious. Yeah. So. Um, well, I mean, the the thing is, too, he's a father of two, and right. so he, you know, like his his wife stayed home with the kids because he wanted to do this to to support his friend who's right. part of the group, and right. you know, um, for him, well, it was, he was funny because because at first he got angry. Right. At first he got angry because he was the the overwhelming number of people who came up to him and it ranged from, you know, like teenagers to people in their 50s. Right. You know, who were like, oh, my God, you're this like straight white cis man who's out here again of his own volition doing something supportive. And frankly, like the like this is how you your this is how you you become labeled an ally thank you there we go because i was gonna say this is how you be an ally but that's not correct right um this is you are just doing something and your actions are creating positive change right that's all you know he's just like well like i maybe i can add to this somehow and i think that that was really powerful but it also made him really angry because he basically was encountering individual after individual that had been abandoned and or let down in some way by their dad. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, it's something that kind of goes unaddressed in a lot of the discourse. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, for some reason moms are expected to be the superheroes of like queer kids because, you know, automatically they're just supposed to be. Well, yeah, but it's like the dads aren't necessarily challenged. Right. It seems like, you know, like dads can just go away. And and I think this is kind of in, in every kind of child rearing structure, you know, Absolutely. where, you know, the mother is there and she works really hard. And, you know, whether she has a job or, you know, like outside of the home or is a homemaker, she's in charge of the kids and the cooking and the cleaning and getting them to school and getting them fed and dressed again, no matter how busy she is. And, and you also know, providing emotional support. Exactly. And then, you know, if the dad takes off a day to go to a fucking field trip, oh, my God, he's father of the year. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, and so these are the things that, that, that got this man really upset, but then also, you know, kind of, I guess, made him feel good because he found that there's there was some true utility in what he was doing. It wasn't just this, you know, I'm going to tag along. There was... He was seeing the change it right in front of him. What he was doing, yeah. um, and again, I think that that is not something that people do often, or or, or you see happen very often right. either. Right. Um, yeah. I just I was really touched by this story, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to include it in yeah. this episode. Good for him, Mr. Scott Dittman. Yes. Um, let's talk about reading. No, <laughs> sorry. Um, let's talk about the girls from drag race who were interviewed by megan mccain not on the view but on the views facebook and i know i mean i'm not trying to sound ungrateful i'm i'm happy that monet nina and adore were able Mm. to get interviewed and that they are getting lots of facetime Mm -hmm. and 
they deserve it. They, yeah. I mean, they, they're, those are three hardworking girls. They deserve it. I will say that I love that toward the end, Monet was like, okay, so I'm really looking forward to the day though, where I can be like on the view. Yeah. At the podium, interacting with Whoopi and all of them. Yeah. And I was like, you better work. Cause you are like, I am not satisfied with this view light. Yes. But I, I thought this was a very interesting conversation. It was an interesting conversation, mostly because I, I feel like, I feel like most people understand not, I'm, I don't want to say the issue with Meghan McCain, but also there is an issue there. I don't know that it's specifically there are hers. Some, um, um, there's some there is some taboo topics. I was gonna say disjointed, but it's there. There are some things at odds. Yes, that, that don't quite add up with the the person she wants to be and the person that she actually. Yes, is. it's like her ideology, but then there's the person that she's selling you. Right. That being said, and you pointed this out when I was talking about some of the topics that they talked about, is that it became very evident that she had certain limitations that had been put on her in terms of probably things she could and could not ask and or things that to the extent they might have also been could engage exactly because apparently she's the one who asked to do this yes so she requested this you know and i i like that the three like again it's a diverse it was it was you know diversity in terms of the queens that were picked too because you have nina who's a white queen from the midwest Monet, who's a black queen from New York, and then Adore, who was a, you know, a Hispanic, uh, Mexican-American queen from California. Right. So, again, three completely different perspectives. Um, <clears throat> and they feel like they really all brought their unique perspectives. Absolutely. To, to the table. Absolutely. Um, the issue I have is I I worry that people are going to see this and think that this is like a brownie point for Meghan McCain because... Okay, I know that there, I've seen a lot of people talk about how she is not her husband, right, on the internet. But in this interview, she talked about when her father died that she turned to her quilt bang friends. I, I'm going to go ahead and guess that they were just plain old gay um, and probably white, uh, that she turned to her friends in the queer community for support when her father died and that it made her feel better. And I, I can't. I can't watch a, another white woman say that I turned to my gay friend for support when I was going through a moment of crisis and then also see her later talk about or, or uh, not talk. Well, talk about, obviously, but uh, defend the president, the current president and what he's doing to members of the quilt bang community. It's not that like they're at odds with each other and it is also a problem that she is married to a man who has an extreme right-wing blog where he regularly talks about or what the 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 contributors to the blog mm-hmm. regularly talk about uh, how drag queen story hour is corrupting mm-hmm. children and the evils of transgender people like I I can't I, mean, it, I can't do that. It's it, you know like if you were walking around saying transphobic stuff and I was against that. Like I couldn't, I couldn't let you continue saying those things, and I probably could, would have to just leave eventually, you know. Well, and that's yeah. the thing where it's like, especially I think when you're a public figure, because like it's not a, but it's like, not about that. 
It's not about her being a public figure. No, no, but what I'm saying is, like, it is easier to hide those things when you're not in the public eye. You know, where one spouse okay. is 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 more more liberal, let's say, as opposed to conservative. Yeah, yeah, he's just going to stay home on the couch and say racist shit. I'm going to go out with all my diverse friends. It, it, like, I feel like it is easier to put, like, sweep that stuff under the rug. Sure. But here you are espousing how important you think drag queens are and how vital they are to the community and trying to be as respectful as possible. But the man that you're married to that you spend your life with is doing the polar opposite. He's spewing venom. Yeah. And and helping to stir the hate pot. Yeah. So like, if you really want to do these good works, Miss McCain, Mrs. McCain, Miss McCain, I don't know who she likes to refer to, but Megan, I, Megan, I, I think that you need to, you know, counter some of those views that your husband is espousing because the thing is that for every step forward, if we want to say forward that she takes, he's pushing it three steps back. I don't even, I don't even want to put the responsibility of changing her husband's mind on her. What I, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. What I am getting at is that here's this man that you have you have chosen to marry. And, you know, in the interview, she mentioned, you know, when we have kids, I want them to be surrounded by drag queens mm-hmm. or men- members of the queer community. I, I don't remember exactly how she worded it. But you have this man who is actively saying negative things about a community you supposedly care about. Mm-hmm. And you're you're allowing you're not only allowing it to go unchecked, you're willing to entertain the idea of starting a family with this person. And it's like you're asking for trouble because the people that you care about are people he doesn't care about. He actively doesn't care about. Exactly. And so I am tired of seeing women brush the idea that their 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 spouse or their boyfriend is homophobic, transphobic, racist, you know, whatever, xenophobic. I'm tired of seeing them brush that shit under the rug as if it has no reflection on them. You have mm-hmm. chosen this person. You have chosen to spend a lot of time with this person. So it it is reflective of you. And also you're feeding into that by continuing to spend time with that person. Because the time you spend with your spouse or your, you know, your significant other, it, it means something to them. Mm-hmm. So you're giving them a piece of yourself, but you have yeah. an issue with or maybe she doesn't have an issue maybe she doesn't even see it the way i see maybe it. she's like well i'm here and he's there like that's what i was telling you i, I think right. it's it's a very classic case of that and i and i do not think that it is her responsibility nor would i you know i don't i don't think it is her responsibility to teach her husband i'm just saying like you hear your husband or your spouse saying some nonsense that you don't believe in that you know is wrong then you can be like listen stop but yes Fine, but I'm I'm saying I don't even I'm not even looking for her to do that. I'm looking for her to do some self-reflection mm. and say to herself, "Okay, so I was going through a moment of crisis when my father died, and who did I turn to? I turned to this community that my husband has no respect for." Mm-hmm. I need to think about what that says about his heart versus my heart, and and I need to think about what that means for my future. With this person. It also means that she left where she lives with her husband to go and being consoled by her gay friends. Exactly. So you're not getting you're not getting the full range of your emotional support at home. 
See, people so, need to be very careful with what they say. Yeah. Because the thing is that the implication, because I, I, rewound, I rewound it and I was like, mm. and I'm like, so you went to probably Palm Springs. Uh, that, that's oh, just, for that's sure. just, you know, like for she went to sure. Toucan's for brunch. Or if you want to do the East Coast version, she went to Fire Island. Uh, either one. Sure. She went to the land of faggotry, East Coast or West Coast, to, you know, like deal with her grief. Mm-hmm. She didn't do it at home. Right. With her husband, who's supposed right. to be, you know, like for most people, their spouses are kind of their biggest support system. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm being a conspiracy theorist, but like that says a lot. It could be that her ideology is changing or has changed and has remained the same. And it's just like, this is where we are and I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people stick with people longer than they should right. out of default. Um but I, but that that for me was quite telling. Yeah, it's like your dad just died, and you're not seeking comfort with your husband, right? So it does say something about about their relationship. Was he just out of town? I don't like know. you know. Maybe, maybe it was for the best. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm I'm confused by how she mm-hmm. can care about a community, but also share a bed with this man mm-hmm. who's like spitting venom about that same community. Yeah, I don't understand absolutely. it. And I'm tired of seeing it. I remember when I was in college, I worked at Blockbuster and my manager was this white Southern Republican woman who had uh, like a super femme gay best friend. And I remember, uh, I remember, I think it was uh, Brokeback Mountain and the movies Brokeback Mountain and... I forget the the name of the other movie. It was a movie about, uh, I think it was called Ladder 49. And how, or maybe it was... About the first responders? Yeah. I think it was Ladder 49. It might have been, it might have been a movie about 9-11. I don't remember. But it was, the two were, were um, the two came out at the same time. And she made her opinion about Brokeback Mountain very clear that she was like, I didn't get it. I thought it was stupid. It was very dramatic, whatever. And then... Every chance she got to talk about either it was either Ladder 49 or it was some other movie that was about 9-11. She was like, oh, I cried like a baby while I was watching it. I just couldn't imagine. And her 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 best friend who happened to work there at the time turns to me and is like, can you believe this woman is actually like doing this in front of us? Like when she wasn't in the room Mm -hmm. and it was it was so telling of who she was. She wanted all the glamour and the clout of having a gay best friend without any of the responsibilities. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what I see when I look at Meghan McCain. Yeah. And it's even more upsetting because I remember the first time I the first time I was made aware of Meghan McCain, she was being interviewed by Chelsea Handler on Chelsea Lately. That's how long ago it was. And I remember thinking like here is the person that's going to bring the Republican party into the 21st century. Like she is, she's doing it. She's carrying it on her shoulders because Mm -hmm. she had such a positive outlook about, uh, about people of color and about, she rolled a lot of feathers. Yeah. And about the, and about the queer community that I was like, she's going to fucking do this. And she's going to finally, you know, make a difference. And to see the way that she is today, it is so disappointing. It is so incredibly disappointing. And just having having seen the way that it has eroded since the most recent presidential mm-hmm. election, it it just it really sucks. Mm-hmm. So he has the one ring to rule them all, right? Well, that's what I think on that. <laughs> mm. Let us know what you think. 
I mean, I I don't know. But please go and listen to the interview or watch it because the girls do say some really interesting things. Yes. I think like her um, I forgot that she was there yes, for the most you part do. and you do forget she's hearing there. these three queens in particular kind of have this discourse in like amongst one another was very interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it was fascinating. <clears throat> um and I hope they bring them on the show cuz why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Disney's not that uptight. Put them on the network, not on the Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another break, but when we come back, we're going to give you some keto stuff and we're going to be really excited about some stuff. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. And they're revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing that savings directly to the consumer. Casper gives you an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Latex and memory foam come together for a life well slept. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free shipping and painless returns. Get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting caspertrial.com slash kiki and using promo code 50sleep. That's promo code 50sleep. Terms and conditions apply. We're back. And first up, it's Keto Corner. Mm. So I did not remember... I showed myself making a recipe on our Instagram this past Friday. It was the recipe for the uh, the chicken parmesan casserole, which is a keto recipe. And I, f- I thought we, t- I genuinely thought we'd talked about it on the episode that we put out right before that. Yeah, I know. And we totally didn't. It was, it was not in our keto corner. Did we really? We've really never talked about this recipe no? before. I mean, I don't wow. think we have. We've only made it t- three times. This last time was the third time. Yeah. yeah. Um, whoops it's a really good recipe it's amazing um like robert said it's a, a chicken parmesan casserole courtesy of hey keto mama um and you'll be able to find the link to the recipe in the show notes yes um i do change i did change it a little bit um are you putting did you put up the rest the modified recipe or are you putting a link to hey I keto put mama? The li- i put the link to hey keto mama but here's oh, here's what okay. i will say for those of you who are listening this is what you do you basically double everything in terms... I mean, not the chicken. You still use the five cups in the recipe. So double everything but the chicken. Add double everything but the chicken. Got and it. you add a cup of shredded Parmesan to the grated Parmesan cheese. Oh. And then you do sauce, grated Parmesan, shredded Parmesan, a sprinkling of the pork rind topping. Then you put your chicken. Then you do your sauce. Then you do... The part, you know, grated and shredded Parmesan, lots of all the mozzarella, and then your, you know, the leftover um, uh, pork rind pork rind mixture, and you know, throw some fresh basil in there, some fresh parsley. It just it comes out so delicious. Oh, the other thing is I do chicken skewers for the chicken so like i do like an italian marinade for them and that way it's kind of cooked all around and so you're not just like throwing like unseasoned chicken into the mix i mean i also make my own sauce but 
you can use like a jar of low carb marinara and add stuff to it if you want. One of the one of the great benefits of this recipe is that you can use leftover chicken. So if you have yes. five cups of leftover chicken, feel mm-hmm. free to chop them up and then you can use yeah. that. I mean, it does work best with white meat just because of the like you're using so many heavy flavors as it is and dark meat can be a bit heavy. Yeah, I think. Um, but you can you like I said you can totally reuse uh, any leftover chicken you have. We just don't ever we don't ever find ourselves with yeah. leftover chicken. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's really good. The the pork rinds. Oh, my tip for this would be use a rolling pin to um, crush your pork rinds. You just bang you know put them in like a gallon Ziploc bag, bang them a few times, and then roll over, and you'll get a really fine um, crushed pork rind. Yeah, mixture. Um, it's also a great way to make uh, like breading for chicken fingers and stuff yeah. if you're doing keto. I have another recipe that we might share next week on on Parmesan crusted pork chops, which are also mm. really good. Um, but yeah, this recipe is just really good. Um, it has all the same flavors. Like, yeah, it's amazing. It's delicious. It reheats beautifully in the microwave. And that's another thing. A lot yeah. of meal prep things, I think keto and non-keto, specifically when it comes to chicken, mm-hmm. don't reheat well. But I think because we're essentially... Don't reheat well in the microwave. In the microwave. I think because yeah. we're grilling the chicken and taking a, a lot of the moisture out, you don't mm. get that weird rubbery chicken taste when mm. you reheat this recipe. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we'll put them in little Tupperwares and we have lunch for a week. Yeah. So... Um, if you are meal prepping, I think this is actually a really good recipe for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, I had a really good time posting the, um, the videos of me making the, the recipe on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So if you want more of that, let me know. Yeah. And, um, and I'll just start, you know, I'll just start like Instagramming meal prep. So, mm-hmm. um, so now it's time for, I'm so excited. I'm so Can I just, oh, you have it on the second thing. Can I add one more thing to our I'm so excited? Whatever you want. Um, so the by the time this comes out, it'll already be out. But the documentary Wig about Wigstock is, uh, is going to be released on HBO. And it kind of poses a little bit of a problem because it comes on at the same time as Pose. So I was watching a, an interview with Lady Bunny and the director of the documentary today, mm-hmm. and they had the poster in the background, and I was like, oh, it comes on at 10 p.m.? That really sucks. Because we don't have HBO, so yeah. if we're going to watch it, we have to, like, you know. To look for it. We got to look for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Or we could just get a free trial. We could do that, too. One or the other. One or the other. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Mm. Um. But what are we? What are we excited about? So the first thing that we're the second thing that we're excited about this week <laughs> is um, Tales of the City on Netflix. Um, we're almost done watching it, yes. and we are going to dedicate um, our next episode uh, to talking about it and kind of our our feelings about the show because we have lots <laughs> kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, I I just I'm really enjoying this because it's so different mm-hmm. and it's so 90s and like corny. Yeah. And they use this weird like fisheye lens thing. Like 
I like it's almost framed by like an old like an old timey photo sometimes. It is very melodramatic. I think that that is on. I think it's definitely on purpose. But also, what I always saw because I'd seen episodes of the original series when I was mm-hmm. younger. And I remember thinking, why does everything look like, uh, you know, when Dorothy first opens the door? Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. After she after the hurricane. Like, mm-hmm. why does everything look like when when the Wizard it's, of Oz it's, is it's, in color? It's very hyper realistic and almost artificial look plasticky. Yeah. Looking almost like, you know, the house on Barbary Lane is looks almost like it's just been. Well, maybe blocked. that's that's the point. Yeah. Is well, that I, opening because opening the gate is very reminiscent of Dorothy walking exactly. out of her house after as, the tornado. And as we saw in episode nine, like you know, Barbary Lane is like a fortress, basically. Right. You know, nobody really knows what's going on up there. Right. So. Right. Um, I really like it. I and and we'll get into this more when we talk about the show. But um, I have enjoyed watching it, and but I but I do think there's room to. Room for improvement? Well, because the thing is, I can't tell what's intentional and not. That's the... Because, like, episode nine, the acting just, like, fell apart. Yeah. Like, just became non-existent. It was a Scooby-Doo of an episode. <laughs> like, I cannot... And I'm like... it Don't it, give anyway. anything away, please. But... We're not I'm, there yet. I'm really excited that we are <laughs> going to talk about this because we got an email from... Um, uh, one of our listeners, Lynn, who we interact with on occasion. And she actually asked us if we had been watching Tales of the City and what we thought. So, like, Lynn, you were reading our minds. Yes. Um, and she has a very interesting question about Miss Dukakis's character, which I won't read right now. But yes. we will deal with this when we talk about it next yes. week. Let's go so. ahead and circle back to this question. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it and I really I I am just in general enjoying all of the queerness on television. All of the quilt bangers that we get mm-hmm. to watch on TV. It's really great. And I was watching an interview with well, I watched an interview with Billy Porter on Good Morning America and then followed that up with the interview with uh MJ Rodriguez. And I just I I just I'm so proud to see members of our community on TV, flourishing, being themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. Billy, they, they asked Billy Porter why he wore a dress to the Tonys. And he was like, well, you know, the, the whole notion of wearing, of how dresses are for women and because they need to, I think he said it was because they need to cover up or something. And he was like, oh, so this notion is based on the idea that women are disgusting. Well, I'm changing that and I'm going to wear a dress whenever I feel like it. You know, it's just like, there, there's just, there's something so powerful about seeing these people not just being represented in stories on on Netflix and on TV but also seeing how how uh media is embracing them as actors. Mm-hmm. I think more importantly it also clearly illustrates that there are many more doors left to break down. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can think of three like, off the top of my head. Marriage equality was not the end of it. Oh, n- absolutely like not. It, and, and yeah. I can think of three topics that are covered on the episodes of Tales of the City that I've never seen touched, like not even close to touched anywhere else. Such a, it's such an important, it's, it's such an important piece of, uh, 
of representation mm-hmm. for for our community. Yeah. So I'm really excited to talk about it, and um, and I'm even more excited that it it exists and that I'm celebrating Pride by enjoying all of the, I wanna, all the queerness. Like, on TV. We're gonna watch the last episode after we finish recording, and I I'm like dying to find out what the mystery is. Oh yeah. Because, yeah. like, the Scooby Doo episode did leave us with a bit of a cliffhanger. So I'm excited Scooby about Dooby that. <laughs> um, and our friends are in it. Oh, my, oh God. my God. How could we forget yes. that? Um, I mean, Bob the Drag Queen is in it, as yes. I assume the owner of this um, this uh, bar called um, Body Politic. Uh, Body Politic. Um, but uh, there is a scene on episode nine where the first person you see coming up over the hill is Miss Ari Kiki herself mm-hmm. in all of her glory. You also see Vicky Villaness, who's in it. Sugar Kane is in it. Um... Uh, many many others yeah it's great it's just great yeah. seeing them seeing them like be prominently mm-hmm. featured and celebrated and for how just who they are they it's gave sorry kiki a lot of screen time yeah they did a lot of screen time yeah because vicky appears earlier on yeah in a few other scenes she, as well she has a she has a moment in the first episode yeah yeah um but i just i just loved i love seeing ari like because it's it's also like again representative of another facet of drag yeah and i think that that was also terribly important too yeah so um and then to reiterate what we said last week we're very excited for the next episode of pose this first episode gave us so much great like they covered a lot in that first episode my favorite line they made a guillotine for this mess (laughs) like Oh, not can I, somebody hospitalize me so I can get a decent meal? That wasn't good, a good line for you? Like, <laughs> come, finish calling out the categories before the back of my head blows off. Like, <laughs> Billy Porter just, like, like again, and I say Billy Porter because it's not even about pray tell. It, it's just the things that he said were just so real and... Um, again, if you haven't seen it, the scene where, you know, you could simplify it as him reading Electra, but it's so much more than that. It's a yeah. call. It's a call to action. Um, it's not frivolous. It's not frivolous. Usually a it read is, is a frivolous no, moment where you just was, get a little zinger in. He was fucking pissed. And yeah. he was like, how dare you? You spent all this time learning how to behead yourself mm-hmm. for a fucking cheap trophy here. Bra. Like, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, it's and, great. I mean, what a show. We're on, we're off to a great start. And I don't know if you know about this, but today it mm-hmm. was announced that it was renewed for season three. Yeah. The first episode was that highly viewed and that well received that they were like, all right, because normally they do it mid-season. Um, oh, yeah. So it's kind of rare for um, a season to be renewed. Um, a show, sorry, to, be a show renewed. to be renewed after just, you know, the first episode of their uh, sophomore season. Right. So right. I'm very excited i can't i can't wait to watch the rest of the season i'm already I'm, i was I'm worried in. i i was like okay are they gonna like keep it up like is it is it going to because every like there was not a moment wasted on any of the episodes from right. the first season and you know it it's it was just as chock full yeah i it just i can't wait for was it thursday wednesday i don't it's know when things come on anymore tuesday tuesday oh it's tomorrow remember what i just said about it was yesterday about whig whig oh yes that they're coming on at the exact same time. So we have to make a decision. You just, you know, you give me my applesauce and turn on the TV. That's literally what <laughs> it feels like sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I'm mm-hmm. having such a great time with all, all of this representation. 
MJ is just all the awards. Yeah. She's like the heart of that show. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, mm. that brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, you can follow us on all of the social medias. We're Grizzly Kiki everywhere. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. So until next time, bye. bye.